0: Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Miro Samson Folk, and I'm here to detail for you the Raptors' first game of the season, their first win of the season, defending their title with the best first step as possible. 130 122, they beat the New Orleans Pelicans. They were missing Zion Williamson, which was what brought a lot of the media attention to the game, I think, for a lot of casual fans. But for you and I, obviously, you're listening to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. You are a fervent Raptors fan, and I, a person who covers the Raptors, very interested, intrigued, and invested in how they are doing this year. And so this game, even though it was sans Zion Williamson, was an absolute treat to watch the first half. While kind of sloppy, which is understandable, following the ring ceremony on the Raptors end, was tons of fun. There was a lot of really interesting progressions. And I guess that's the perfect way to start. So the first thing I noticed in the game was that the Raptors were obviously a little bit sloppy. The two guys that weren't, I found, was Fred Van VanVleet and OG Ananobi. Both of them started out the game really well to my eye, Fred especially. And this is obviously going to be very, very consistent throughout the game. Fred, he played fantastic, and it, he was a treat to watch tonight. He did a fantastic job running the pick and roll tonight, which is, that has been the biggest struggle he's had, translating his game from bench guard to lead guard, and that's not a full transformation yet, but tonight was a hell of an indication that he might take a step that way. He's always been a great shooter. I mean, that was what he made his money on, right, was hitting threes next to Kyle Lowry, playing off ball, playing gritty defense, but tonight... Fred VanVleet probably had more possessions used than Kyle Lowry, and certainly was, and this is not a knock on Kyle Lowry, was more effective in the lead guard role. And they did play, like, they played in tandem together a lot, and that was great to watch, but watching Fred handle the offense tonight was really something. And the first half, it was it was kind of awesome to watch. He started out, he came out gangbusters. He was hitting every shot, deep arcing three-pointers, open ones and he was getting to the rim and finishing. I talked about this on the last episode of the weekly podcast with Blake Murphy. We were talking about how Fred needs to finish better at the rim that is 54% won't translate to a lead guard position because you have to be able to finish at the rim and tonight he was spectacular and in the first half he just he didn't push as hard for his shots or his possessions but he came out really strong and that was so encouraging to see and that was that was awesome to see. Another thing that was obviously awesome was O.G. Ananobi making aggressive cuts to the rim, rebounding pretty well, I thought. He was putting pressure on the smaller guards, like when he had Lonzo or Etuan Moore in the paint. Mind you, Lonzo is not small for a guard position, but relative to O.G., he is small. And O.G. putting the pressure on them as, as a rebounder. And O.G., he hit his first three, he was aggressive, and that was fantastic to see. His defense, as we'll get to later, especially... Late in the game was was paramount to what the Raptors were trying to do on that end, and that was obviously wonderful to see, and that was really encouraging as well. Uh, the thing that isn't that encouraging, at least at the start, but was okay overall, was Marcus All, who did end up finishing the game for the Raptors, but it was really tough sledding early on. He was really slow on closeouts. He wasn't very effective rebounding the ball. The Raptors were getting killed on the glass when the start of the game was happening. And you know, it, to link back to that ring ceremony thing and the emotionality of it all, there is probably a correlation there, right? And you don't expect Marcus all to be as ready to rebound as ever after he's you know had this huge long season where he wins the world cup he plays into game six of the nba finals and he's at an advanced age for the nba when he comes in there's probably going to be an element of him playing himself into game shape because he didn't have as much time off as everyone else and so he needs to rest his body a little bit maybe the intensity won't be there as much for the very start of the season and you know They're champions now, so maybe there was a little bit of we're champions. It obviously didn't happen with guys like Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, or Kyle Lowry, for that matter, who played his butt off all game. But with Marcus Ald, it was a little bit lackadaisical. To pick up where he was leaving it, though, Serge Ibaka, I thought, especially in the first half, was dynamite. He, He had a really, really good run when he was playing with the starters, and I thought he did a commendable job when he was playing with the bench guys. Mind you, Nurse... Didn't work in very many bench guys. We're talking Norman Powell, because Fred VanVleet did start. Terrence Davis. That's like it. The rotation, I think, was eight, which is a pretty tight rotation for the regular season. But if we look back at Nick Nurse's comments about the new guys not having what it takes or not showing what it takes to compete with the Raptors at this point, maybe that's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for everyone to catch up. And until that happens, he might not... He might not play anybody like that, and that's, geez, that's one way to go. Especially with, you have guys like Kyle Lowry, Marcus All, who you think might need a bit of time off the court, a bit more rest this year. But obviously, that wasn't the thinking tonight, which is which is interesting. But back to Serge Ibaka, I thought he did an awesome job rebounding the ball. His rotations on defense were pretty crisp, and especially on offense, he really got after it. He put the pressure on the Pelicans' defense. And especially at the start of the game, he was one of the only people doing that, and that was really refreshing to see, so I was really happy with how he played in the first half. Siakam might be the biggest story from this game outside of Van Vliet, who was terrific. Siakam did his best in this game, and even though he didn't shoot his best in this game, he was pushing the pace all the time, he was rebounding like a madman, he got after it, and... Rightfully so, he was putting all of the pressure on the Pelicans' defense sans Serge Ibaka, right? there was He was really, really aggressive. So where Fred Van Vliet was more in the finishing phase of his game in the first half, he was finishing possessions. When he was working in assists and creating buckets, it wasn't as often in the first half because it was a bit more relaxed. Obviously, in the third quarter, things changed for Fred Van Vliet, but back to Siakam for now, Siakam in the first half was pushing the envelope, he was getting after it, transition, pushing all the time, going at the rim, really hungry, not shooting a superb percentage there in the first half, because there was Derek Favors is lurking, Julio Okafor is a big guy, and Brandon Ingram is really, really long, so if Siakam doesn't fully clear him and get past him, Ingram is kind of going to be lurking around with his arms and his wingspan when Siakam's trying to finish, so... It was He had a lot of things to work around, and he's still kind of finding his space as the main guy on the Raptors, but it was really fun to watch him work tonight, and he was definitely energetic, and he had a lot of finesse to his game. There were, obviously, his patented spin was involved, and there were a couple really slick finishes that he had, and that was, that was great to watch. On the other side, Drew Holiday didn't get as much of the ball as I thought he might have. Brandon Ingram... Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, the the three pieces of the Anthony Davis trade. I thought they all looked pretty great tonight, especially Ingram early on, and especially Hart later on. Lonzo was fairly consistent throughout. It was kind of like how he was with the Lakers. You know, it's he is a very cerebral type of player, and when he's on the court, he's gen you know generally always making the right decisions. He hit a three early on. He's moving the ball, he's pushing in transition when he can, he's making clever passes, and he's defending well. And Lonzo did that, but he didn't have any stretches like Hart had at the end of the game or Ingram at the start. And Ingram in the first half I thought was pretty good, and the Raptors probably paid his outside game too much attention because he, he can shoot it, and he did, but the Raptors were really, really jumpy on him. And if you let a guy with his length start getting downhill at the rim you're really doing his game a lot of favors I think and towards the end of the game that changed and the Raptors really adjusted how they were guarding him and I thought that was commendable to make that change on the fly and he didn't have as much success towards the end of the game at all and I thought I thought that was really big for what the Raptors doing but overall those three guys I thought that they did really good New Orleans fans should be really excited about what they brought to the game and I yeah I was really happy watching them they were fun to watch. Ingram took a lot of shots, but he wasn't a black hole on offense. I didn't think Drew Holiday didn't get as much of the ball, like I was saying, as I thought he would, in the first half. But things did change later on, and that was that was something to see. And with that being said, the Raptors did go down sixty-one to fifty-six in the first half. Which, all things considered, how sloppy they were, the turnover problems they were having, was honestly kind of encouraging. It wasn't so bad and you knew that things would come around for some of their players. The third quarter went pretty well for the Raptors for a long period of time. Fred, Serge, OG and Pascal all played I thought pretty phenomenally in the third quarter. You had Pascal. He was really he was still pushing the pace same as he was in the first half, but he wasn't taking as many shots. He was defending Well, his defense in this game wasn't that great, but his work cleaning the glass was extremely effective for the Raptors and was really important because the Raptors, especially at the start, were having trouble ending defensive possessions. And Pascal Siakam, who obviously finished with 18 boards, did a pretty massive job on that end, and that's commendable as well. But the third quarter, there's a bit of surge with some in-between scoring. OG as well, but the big story was Fred... Fred was a man on fire in the third quarter. I thought he did an incredible job working downhill. And the way he phased out the help defense when he was going downhill, was it was immaculate. I thought he did such a good job working on the pick and roll. Plus he mixed in some of that terrific shot making that we're used to seeing, the type of shot making we saw in the Milwaukee series and in the finals, just the, those crazy spot-up threes that he's hitting such an insane percentage of great to see, you love to see it, and I thought he did an incredible job working the offense, all around terrific stuff from Fred, and that's obviously supposed to be one of the big takeaways from this game, Fred was a man on fire, he finished at the rim like never before, he finished with a career high, he hit from downtown at a really high percentage, and it was just it was, it was something to watch for sure. It was really cool to see. Unfortunately, at the very end, after he split the defense and was trying to go to the rim, he kind of went into the stands, not Shaq jumping into the stands type of thing, but he was walking backwards. His momentum is slowly coming to a halt, and he stepped on a camera person's foot, kind of tweaked his ankle it seemed like, Had to go to the locker room, and he did get subbed out at that point. It was pretty normal, but he did go to the locker room, got it checked out, and when he came back, there was, for probably like six of his playing minutes, a bit more trepidation on his end with how he was attacking. He did overcome that, though, at the end of the game. That was something to talk about as well. But Terrence Davis in his stead and playing next to him, I thought, did a fantastic job. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Terrence Davis in this game. I thought he was really, really heady. He had a couple nice cuts. Serge Ibaka found him on a cut in which it took Davis three tries to get it up and into the basket, but he got two offensive rebounds. He made it count. He got a couple steals. He drew a charge. He really got after it on defense. It was a hustle game for him, and I thought it was just, it was commendable. He also hit a three. He just did a fantastic job of filling in to a Raptor squad that didn't seem so deep, right? Nick Nurse is only running an eight-man rotation in the regular season. And I understand you want to win the opening game, you're the defending champs, yes, but the fact that Terrence Davis was the guy who, who got in, not a guy like Stanley Johnson, not a guy like... Well, I guess McCaw and Hollis Jefferson are injured at this point. Not a guy like Matt Thomas. It's it's really good for Terrence Davis. Not a guy like Chris Boucher even, right? Really good for him. And that it's worth talking about the lineups. I thought it was really, really fascinating how Nick Nurse was switching things up. We saw a lineup with Gasol, Ibaka, and Siakam all on the floor. We saw a lineup with Lowry, Van Vliet, and Davis all on the floor. So you have the really big lineup and the really small lineup. And the fact that he started Van Vliet and Lowry in tandem in the backcourt, but also always had one on the floor, I believe. And I I just thought it was his, the way he mixed the minutes tonight was really something. I have to go back and when I rewatch the game for when I write my piece for tomorrow, it, I'm obviously going to get into it. But it was really interesting to see the way that he broke it down and he let it play out. So that was, that was good. The Raptors went into the fourth quarter up 88-86. Fred's injury did take away a bit of the momentum, and that did affect the offense a little bit going forward, but they did win that quarter by seven. They played really well in the third, especially offensively, and that was largely on the back of Fred VanVleet, but not without the contributions of Pascal, Serge, OG, Terrence Davis, and Kyle Lowry. throughout was a consistent force. Even though he wasn't as sharp as he usually is, he was an absolutely consistent force. And to see how he played next to Fred Van Vliet's terrific game was really cool, and I thought he did a a great job. The fourth quarter is basically the story of Josh Hart and Pascal Siakam. Josh Hart and the Pelicans at large were hitting a lot of their triples, like a really high percentage of their triples, but Pascal Siakam was really burning it up in the fourth quarter. He was scoring on the inside. He was I think he had two triples in the fourth quarter to bring them back. And the Raptors it looked like they were kinda of on the ropes a couple times. And and you know what? They definitely were. It didn't just look like that. They they had championship acumen and they punched their way back into it. And that was a really cool aspect of the fourth quarter I think to see. I really liked seeing that and it was it was wonderful. But Fred, with his injury, did kind of step back, and then so Kyle Lowry stepped into the lead guard role once again in this game, and he had a really, really gritty performance to close this one out in the fourth quarter and in overtime. He was really pushing the envelope, to use that saying for the second time in this podcast, but he was pushing the Pelicans, and he was doing his damnedest to get to the rim He was working hard on defense, and he was obviously appealing to the refs for every inch he could get. With Pascal and the way he was scoring, the way he was rebounding, he had five assists in this one too. He had a good eye for cutters and the space that he was affording other players. It was disappointing to see him get fouled out. And it was... I don't like griping about refs. It was just a tough call to foul out on, especially for a guy who at that point had 34, 18, and 5. Those are incredible superstar numbers and as I mentioned in one of the podcasts for the uh, preseason it seems like Pascal is going to be one of those big men one of those six to ten guys league-wide that just sleepwalk into massive numbers Anthony Davis Carl Anthony Towns guys like that they just they sleepwalk in a game and it just seems like they end up with like 26 and 13, and you're like, oh, where the hell did that come from? And even though Siakam, his fourth quarter was immense, he was a pretty quiet game to that point for him, at least in terms of impact, by my perception. But he had still, he he had like 13 rebounds and like 23 points before it kind of things went crazy for him, which is he slept, walked to that game. It was it was big time for him. So that was really interesting to see as well. And for him to foul out, it looked like maybe the Raptors aren't going to do it. But, my God, the Raptors are down six, I believe. And they had this incredible ATO from, that's after timeout play, from Nick Nurse in which Kyle Lowry took it. DHO. They ran a fade for Fred Van VanVleet to run to the opposite corner. Kyle Lowry took one hard dribble, floated it over there. He hit three. And, my God, it was a gorgeous shot. And, yeah... Fantastic finish to the fourth quarter, except for one part. It was really great to see OG Ananobi D'ing up Drew Holiday, who was trying to break down the Raptors' defense to get that final bucket at the end there. And he couldn't. OG and played outstanding defense on him. The Raptors got the stop. And on the other end, Norman Powell dribbled for like, I guess he had the ball for 14 seconds. It was a straight up, it was flattened out. It was an ISO for him and he pulled up from 30. It did not go in as you might have guessed. It doesn't that doesn't seem like it's in Norm Powell's bag. That was like a play they might have drawn up for Kawhi last year or Pascal against the Suns when he hit his game winner, but like my god, Norm was the play call, which was kind of shocking because Nick Nurse had drawn up such a gorgeous play for Van Vliet, like, a minute and a half previous. So that was something else. Overtime, I think, was where the Raptors really found their groove. Marcus All finally breaking out of his funk. He played better, moving the ball as a five-out center. He had some nice elbow possessions. And by nice, I mean, like, the Raptors were trying to break up the monotony of their offense, so they threw it to him in there. And he didn't score from there, but he was moving the ball out of there, and they they got some decent advantages out of it. So that was nice to see. He scored that end one at the end of the game. Fred hit the three to get to 34 points. It was just big-time finish from the Raptors, and then Kyle Lowry hit the three. That was the absolute dagger. It was a great game. It was terrific to watch and kind of hilarious that the whole world, well not the whole world, but a large percentage of the viewers had to watch that instead of seeing LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard tip off the season, which is it seemed, it would be funny if that was a subplot in Nick Nurse's brain. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be so funny <laughs> if he was like, "Ah, we're going to let Norm Powell hoist up a 30-footer. I don't want anybody to be able to watch the start of the Lakers Clippers game." Obviously not real, but Incredibly funny to to imagine about the Mitchell Robinson Award, which is the award that goes to the villain of the game and because Mitchell Robinson had that egregious foul where he, he injured Kyle Lowry last year. Mitchell Robinson's guy. Like, unfortunately, he is, he is villain-esque because of that one play, and it was on, or in the, rather, in the first game that I covered as the new host of the Raptors Reaction podcast. And... So the Mitchell Robinson Award goes to the villain of the game, the villain being the camera guy who Fred stepped on because there, was, there wasn't there was anything particularly villainous about the Raptors in this one or the Pelicans in this one, and the only villainous thing that happened was a foot that was sticking too far out, Fred Van Vliet, who ended up scoring a career high who was fantastic, possibly getting injured or tweaking something on the play is a little bit disastrous you know what i mean and that it just happens to be that's the one the reggie evans award you guys know reggie evans you know his ethos you gotta play hard you gotta work hard it's fred van vliet was the best player in this game i'm gonna say that i love pascal pascal was 1b to fred's 1a but there was a lot of work going on from Pascal, and Pascal's glass-eating definitely earns him the Reggie Evans Award. At the end of the year, we'll tally up who has won the most. You guys can guess who that'll be in the comment section if you like, and I'll probably think of a prize to whoever whoever guesses correctly who has the most Reggie Evans Awards at the end of the year. I'll think of something good. It won't be not worth your time. It'll definitely be worth your time, and that's... That's a promise, for sure. I'll try and work something out. So, whoever you think will have the most Reggie Evans awards at year's end, put that in the comment section, and I'll, I'll take them down, and I'll see what I, can, what I can do about it. Quick reaction comment is from Diggs. He says, someone in management has to ban that sloppy camera guy from working the baseline. Fred clearly placed his leg in a spot where he expects it to be safe, but Big Dude there is leaving his foot out way too far. One dumb act could cost us 10 times that guy's salary. We got away this time, but I hope they're proactive and make sure it never happens again. Yeah, I agree. There is, it is a little bit silly that there is no room for the players on the court. You, you know what I mean by that? And I understand that the intimacy between fan and player is one of the biggest draws of the NBA. It's really big part of the NBA, and that the proximity of player and fan is is one of the one of the coolest parts about the NBA. But if you just move it three, four feet back, I don't think the camera angles get that much worse. I don't think the footage gets that much worse. And I think it would be a lot safer for players. And at the end of the day, the brand, the league will survive that type of change. But things like this happen far too often. And it's, you know, this isn't going to change anything going forward. I mean, LeBron James cut his head open on a camera once, I believe, and that they didn't change anything from that. So we'll see about that. But yeah, anyway, this has been the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope you enjoyed the game. Starting out the year 1-0, oh, the Raptors, the defending champions. This has been Samson Folk. Whether you're listening to this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.